Hello, you're listening to Artspin and Queries on Sination this afternoon with myself, Christian, and I'm very happy to be joined uh, in the studio with me today by Matthew Parsons and Russ Vickery here to talk to us about my other closet, the cabaret. Thanks so much for coming in today to talk to us. Thanks, Thanks very for having much. Us. Nice, to ha- nice to be here. Yeah. So this is the Melbourne um, premiere season of, of the show, and um, yeah. apparently it, I heard it sold out in season. Oh, sorry, in Sydney. Yeah, that's um, right. Before, yeah, we did it in Sydney as part of the Mardi Gras festival in 2014 and um, did really well there. That Perfect, was, yeah. Was well, um, welcome to Melbourne. And uh, yeah, could you um, tell us a little bit about the show and um, all the way from, you know, original inspiration to um, yeah, where it's ended up now in this sure. Melbourne season, yeah. Well, so the uh, My Other Closet, the Cabaret, is a project that um, Russell and I have been working on for a number of years now. Um, it is, um, it's a bit of a unique production because it's actually Russell's true story of surviving domestic violence in a same-sex relationship. Um, and so a number of years ago, we decided that um, we'd both been doing a lot of different work in the uh, queer events and art spaces. And, you know, a lot of that was one-off shows here and there and just decided that um, we should really focus our energies on one thing that we thought was worth devoting years to. Um, and so the idea came to work on this um, cabaret. Russ has a, been a singer for a long time and I'd always been told that, you know, write about something that you know, that you have a unique insight into that most other people wouldn't. So the idea came up to do a um, domestic violence uh, awareness raising cabaret, and it sounded crazy enough that it could work. So um, so we started working on it. And yeah, so we've done one season up in Sydney, and this is our fourth time staging it because we've also done it a couple of times as a training event for mainstream domestic violence workers. So, um, But this is its Melbourne public premiere. So do you want to add anything, Russ? Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess, I mean, as Matt said, it's my story about an experience that I had in my very first uh, same-sex r- relationship. And, you know, I guess one of the things that I found whilst I was in that relationship was that I actually didn't have any words to use uh, for what was happening to me. There were no services out there to support same-sex DV recipients. So it was when we decided to do this show, one of my main uh, motivators was that uh, it's very important for me to give people that are in that particular uh, situation uh, words to use to be able to describe the situation that they're in. Also, we very much, you know, want to be able to highlight to people, you know, that these days there are places that they're able to go to get get assistance. And it's probably why it's taken us so long to uh, put this show on in Melbourne, because when we first came down here, we felt that it would have been uh, irresponsible. Yeah, very irresponsible to have put this show on in a state where we couldn't refer them to anybody really. But you know, over the last 12, 18 months, there's been the Royal Commission, and you know, there's a whole heap of money now being thrown into uh, services to support LGBTIQA plus. How's that? I got it right. Um, uh, People who are, um, you know, experiencing these sorts of things. And so, you know, the timing is is very right. Uh, You know, the reason that we chose a cabaret is uh, traditionally cabarets have been used to 
look at some of the darker issues in life. Often they're used politically. And so if you're talking about DV and LGBTIQA plus relationships, then it was the perfect vessel to use for our show. So um, that's very much where you know, we're coming from on the yeah. show. And I think also um, the other reason for, for choosing the cabaret was because... So we know um, the research tells us that most LGBTI people who, do, who experience domestic violence don't have a, a good framework to understand it in. And the professionals and family and friends around them are so kind of saturated by the heteronormative discourse around men's violence against women, which of course is important. And statistically, that's a large number of who experiences violence. But uh, we know that more awareness needs to be raised and more understanding needs to happen around um, the uh, queer community's experience of DV. And, you know, a poster and a pamphlet and a brochure can only go so far, whereas, you know, actually sitting in the room and um, having an hour and a half experience um, following Russell's journey, not only through dialogue, but also through song, really gives you a emotional connection to the issue you don't only just find out you know what this looks like from the outside um, but you also find out you know what it feels like for a person from the inside and you get that real genuine insight to the insider's perspective and and of course it's also entertainment yeah you know i mean it, it is actual entertainment so you know people are not going to want to think that they're coming to some sort of a lecture because that's not how this show works the audience are asked to at certain points in time participate let's just say <laughs> that <laughs> it's fun don't say audience participation they'll run away <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah fun focus on the fun um <laughs> oh just quickly though because um yeah Rust, Rust had mentioned the services that are available that have been recently been made available to people um to go to so um just gonna read those numbers so there's switchboard is 1800 and there's also Queer space, um, eighteen hundred, LGBTIQ. Got to get the order right, of course. There, um, <laughs> but yeah, getting getting back to the fun of the show. Yeah. Um, so was that was that something you, you think you had sort of in mind, like all the way through the development of this, that you you did kind of want it to be um, have those both sides, like an entertaining sort of show, as well as getting this message across and getting yeah. these issues across. Yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, mm. you know, the, I would be lying if I said that it, there wasn't peaks and troughs in the show. Mm. Um, I would be doing the audience a disservice if I didn't take them to some of those places that I mm. needed them to go to to have the experience. But I would be very unfair to keep them there. So i got to take mm. them out of those places and take them to some really nice places. Uh, and so, you know, that's how the story moves. And we were very, very careful when we were developing this show to make sure that, you know, it wasn't a doom and gloom show. There's funny bits and there's, there's singing and dancing and you know, clapping hands and all sorts of things. So it's a journey. Mm. We, it's worked, a journey. we worked with a couple of other theatrical professionals to develop that as well as with some DV professionals to make sure that the messaging that we were delivering was helpful and, and useful. But so we had a professional writer who helped us to kind of 
take the Russell's true story and put some theatrical devices around it and, um, you know, give it some lovely metaphors that I really think are uh, one of my favorite parts. So, for instance, one of those is uh, the truth of the situation was that Russell used um, singing as his uh, escape mechanism and as uh, as a healing tool after the relationship. And so um, the writer uh, helped us sort of take that and turn up the volume a little bit on it for as a theatrical device. And so at the beginning of the play, you kind of you join Russell um, inside this second closet this sort of metaphor that you know you've uh he's created this second closet come out once as gay and now is uh experiencing abuse and um you know russell rusty explains that um he's created this fantasy world of, of a cabaret to cope with what's going on and so you as the audience are brought into that because you're his fantasy audience and if he just keeps singing and dancing and singing and dancing then everything will be okay so that's the kind of tension of the first part of the show is um, is that kind of we call one character Liza Barelli because for those of you on the other end of this uh, audio you can't see that Russell's a big hairy gay man and the slang for that's a bear in the in the, in the queer community. So Liza Barelli is kind of that coping mechanism, and then you know you've got the real Russell the victim sort of telling their story. Um, I hate that word. You know I hate that yeah, word. Survivor. The person experiencing survivor. Yeah. Mm. Um, so that was really good. And then we also had uh, a fantastic dramaturge down here in Victoria named Jess Murphy, who helped us to kind of um, keep that line between how do you make something fun and entertaining, but keep the integrity of um, the real material and the real story and, you know, a serious topic at the same time. So those have been the challenges, but I think we've come out the other end with something that we're really proud of and that we, you know, the audiences really respond to and that I think has those lights and shades and is a unique experience we did it in october last year and we did it to 300 uh service providers in melbourne from mainstream basically um you know and there were the police there and there was lawyers and there were workers for for services and whatever and uh you know that's probably a tough gig um Mm. and uh the show went over amazingly well with with all of them so um you know if we can draw those people in, then, you know, there's really good messages in there for the general public. Mm. Wow, yeah, absolutely. Well, so what kind of feedback did you get from, from that audience? All positive, <laughs> All, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, you know, people really did respond well to the fact that it was engaging, that it was fun, that there was song, mm. that it gave you a genuine insight into the experience of a person. People liked our metaphors, which is fun. <laughs> and it's, very, it's very difficult to get survivors um, Mm. of domestic violence to actually speak out. So, you know, to be this middle-aged berry guy standing on a stage talking about um, the experience of DV, for some reason gives it even more reality. And we often find, and we know in Sydney, when, when we had our season up there, a lot of, you know, cisgender, heterosexual women, middle-aged mm. women were coming to the show and very much relating to the experiences that were going on mm. um, on the stage. So whilst it is um, a show that happens to have a gay man on the stage and it happens to be about an LGBTIQ relationship, 
the similarities in heterosexual uh, relationships are pretty much the same. So, you know, don't feel that you can't come just because you're heterosexual, you know? <laughs> all, all genders, all sexualities are welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, yeah, that's, that's, that's quite an achievement, really, to, to be able to do both, to sort of make it relatable to, yeah, people uh, inside and outside of the, the queer community. That's, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, yeah, and, and important. Mm. And important, yeah. you know? We need to give words for this experience to people inside LGBTIQ um, relationships because yeah. there's not a lot of words for them to be able to use. There's not a lot of education that they're mm. given, um, we're given. But at the same time, it's important that if there are heterosexual people who are having that experience and for whatever re reason don't feel comfortable going to the services or whatever that are being provided to them or just want some further insight into it, then we can provide that as well, you know. Yeah. So it's a very important show for everybody across the board. And I think what's what we're finding uh, recently, so with the Royal Commission and everything, is uh, there's a lot more work going on to understand uh, understand domestic violence in general, but certainly within uh, marginalized communities, there were some specific um, groups identified in the Royal Commission that hadn't ever been really looked at before. Um, so as as specific priority populations that needed um, specific uh, strategies to reach them. But what also has been drawn out is is how many similarities there are that um, regardless of the genders or sexual orientations of the people involved in, in a domestic violence situation, so much of how that power and control and abuse and manipulation um, plays out is very similar regardless of sexuality or gender. But then, then we know that there are a couple of just unique aspects for, um, for the queer community. And one of those is a higher pressure to have um, successful relationships, successful in air quotes, because, you know, we're still in a situation where we may or may not have a, uh, you know, plebiscite to determine whether or not our love is valid and our relationships are equal of the same, the same recognition. And so we know that that plays out in queer relationships where there can be an extra pressure for that second coming out to go, you know, to, that you're failing the cause if you have a relationship that's toxic. And so that can be hard for people. Um, and interestingly, that even has a kind of dialogue going on in the queer community where we've experienced um, uh, a kind of idea that maybe it's not a good idea to talk about domestic violence um, while we're still trying to achieve marriage equality. Um, are we giving, uh, you know, ammunition to the to the wrong side and i think that uh just to touch back to where russell was saying a minute ago to me and to some of the uh, people that we've worked with on the show like true equality is recognizing that um everybody's relationships are capable of being loving and amazing and respectful or you know we're all humans and um we can have toxic relationships as well and so uh you know real equality is looking at that across the board well, yeah, and the bottom line is that the bottom line is very much just because you're gay, or LGBTIQ, doesn't mean that you automatically will make the best choices in relationships. Mm. I mean, that, that doesn't necessarily go hand in hand. So, but should you accept less than in a relationship just because you're gay? No, I don't think so. And I think that's what this show highlights. You know, you don't have to sit there and be in a relationship that's not good for you and justify it by saying, you know, well, I will accept less than I'm entitled mm. to. And we know that that's another unique aspect for um, LGBTIQ people is, uh, 
you know, more experiences of abuse and discrimination tend to um, lower a person's barometer for what is acceptable behavior. And when you also look at things like internalized homophobia and transphobia and how that plays out in a relationship, you know, those can be pathways to either victimhood or perpetratorhood, having those kind of struggles. So... And I think it also, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned perpetrator because the other thing that, that we've uh, looked at very closely in this show is that, you know, usually domestic violence in relationships is, a, is about a power struggle or inadequacies in power, uh, inconsistencies in power. Mm. And, you know, there are two parties to this. There is the person who's on the receiving end and there is the person who is using violence in the relationship. Now, you know, they're not necess- the person using violence in a relationship, it's not acceptable, but they're not necessarily all bad. So, you know, they need assistance just as much as the person who's on the receiving side of this, of this violence. So we, we're very clear. Not in, to vilify yeah, perpetrators. N- not um, to vilify perpetrators. Yeah. Because perpetrators need to take um, accountability. And, yes, of course and, they do. Yeah. Um, and learn to not use violence. But, yeah, but they I also think, need help. Yeah, that's right. You know, they also need yeah. help. The victim survivor needs help and the perpetrator needs help. It's an unhealthy relationship. Hmm. Yeah. That's, thank you so much. That's probably all we have time for, unfortunately. But, yeah, thank you so much. That was a, such an important conversation to have. So, so glad we had it. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Wonderful. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> D- details of the show. Um, so, yeah. My Other Closet, the Cabaret, yeah. is um, premiering on the 15th of July um, mm. at the Bella Union and runs through to the 28th of July. And we've we've got matinees, we've got evening shows. So um, Sunday shows. Yeah, have, lots of yeah. different opportunities for people to come along. And, and we'd love to see you there. Yeah, it should be a, a good, fun experience um, and give you an insight into something that you might not know a lot about at the moment. Bring your house keys and car keys. That's very important. Haha, <laughs> that's a secret. Mm. Wow, okay. <laughs> Looking forward to seeing what that is. Um, yeah, I will be coming along to the show to review it as well. So Fantastic. Yeah, I'll find out what that means when I see it, I suppose. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jan. <laughs> Thank you, Christian. Thank you.